Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. Alright guys, welcome back for another episode. Just going to be me today. Uh, today we're going to talk about the Bruins Game 3 win over the Hurricanes last night. And I'm going to do my reaction to the draft lottery. Got to just talk about a lot of things. Just put a lot of puzzle pieces together and really just think this whole thing throughout. My whole reaction and kind of what this means for the NBA. And then the Red Sox past three games, especially last night's historic night for Chris Sale. 17 strikeouts. We'll get to all of that. But first, we're going to start with the Bruins game last night. So let's get into that. All right. So obviously last night, the Bruins jump ahead in the Series 3-0 to the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh... Winning 2-1 to one in Game 3. Finally, the Hurricanes lose a game at home. And by this point now, that was the Hurricanes' last chance to get in the series. I said it. I said it on the last podcast. I said, if the Hurricanes want to have a chance in the series, they have to win Game 3. If they, win game, if they lose Game 3, it's over. Even if they win Game 4, you're probably saying, Aiden, you know, they can lose Game 3 and then win Game 4. But no... You had to win Game 3, I'm sorry. Game 3 is the one that you had to win to try to, you know, put yourself back in. If you're down 2-1, you know, you still have a chance. 3-0, I'm sorry. I, you know, if you try to see what I'm getting at here. But what a game for Chris uh, Wagner. I always say Wagner because that's just, whenever I see that, it's what always happens. But Wagner, uh, he had the goal on one shot. One shot, it was that goal. And then Chris Wag, Chris Oh, God. Chris Wog. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, he. This is just the opposite. This uh, Bruins team in general is just the opposite of the Boston Celtics this year. They are just relentless. And if, you know, they take a punch, they get right back up and punch their opponent in the jaw uh, twice. They get punched once, they punch the opponent twice. The Bruins, uh, the Celtics, on the other hand, you'll punch them, they'll get down, and they'll stay down and keep taking the punches and just fold, if you will. And here's my thought on the Grand Slam, because our last caller, George, hopefully he calls back, but he said, how do you feel about a Grand Slam? Sorry about that. And I, I said it's very unlikely, but I thought the Bruins have a good chance at the Cup, and they still really do. I think they're the favorites to win. In my book, in many, in many people's book. And listen, I'm not saying the Celtics would have beat the Warriors, but the Warriors without KD, there's a possibility. It's a good series. Now, I know I watched the game last night, and I know the Warriors are still, without KD and uh, DeMarcus Cousins, probably still better than you. But if let's say it's this Celtics team reaching their full potential, and that's the Warriors without KD, you really have a chance. You actually have a chance to win that series. But team didn't live up to their full potential. What a disappointing, disgusting season. Patriots, Red Sox, both win the championship. Bruins are just relentless, the fun-to-watch team. It looks like they could really win it, and then there's just the, the Celtics. What a failure. And they are just ruining every Boston fan's year in spring, if you will. But getting off track here, that first period, I mean, Rask was great last night. Did get a little lucky, I thought. 36 shots on net, 35 saves. Because not only did you have Chris uh, Wagner literally go out and break his arm just to save a goal and save that game and had a goal, I thought he was your best player. I want to say him or Tuka Rask was your best player because 
How do you not like Chris Wagner right now? Wagner, however you want to say it. Wagner. Jeez, I just can't nail that. But he had one of your goals, one or two goals, and goes out, sprawls out, breaks his arm just to save a goal. And probably saved you that game. That wasn't a pretty game. Rask made some good saves last night. He really did. That first one, let me tell you, um, on the other team, what's his name? Um, Jesus Christ. Yeah, there he is. Nito Niederreiter. He, how did, how did he miss that at the beginning? Um, they had that opportunity where right around the 10-minute mark, and they had that opportunity to score a goal, and then um, in front of the net, Williams right in front of the net. Ross made like three incredible saves, but you had a uh, you had to capitalize on that. And if I was a Carolina Hurricanes fan, I'd ooh, I'd be mad after that. But obviously, Curtis McElhenney got the start. The old Bruin didn't play bad. That was a good move. Despite you losing last night, that was a good move. To take Morazic out, and I know it's tough because you know it's just like you know we're putting in McElhenney, but McElhenney. Hasn't been bad in his two games so far in the playoffs, and he doesn't look horrible. He's better than Peter. Pete, sorry, Peter Morasic. He's been he's been better, and uh, yeah, he's he's been better all right. Um, but then you had the Brad Marsh angle on the power play. Let me just tell you, these two teams are night and day when it comes to the power play. The Bruins always seem to capitalize, and the Carolina Hurricanes are putrid on the power play. They are horrible. They they, they they can't find the back of the net on a power play. It's just impossible for them. It's like an impossible task for them to find the back of the net on a power play. And you have the Calvin, DeHa- the Han, Han, whatever you want to say, goal. Tugor Ross made a great save. It was a little, you know, uh, show off. Uh, the style points uh, were 10 out of 10, as whoever was announcing that game last night said. Uh, makes a great save. Made a ton of good saves last night. And then let up a pretty soft goal. Let me tell you, you know, I'm not ripping on Rask for that one because he had a great game, made a ton of good saves, and that one wasn't all. That one was not a great goal to allow, but it wasn't horrible either because, although that was a little soft, there was a small hole for that thing to get in, and it, it found its way. But no, Rask was great last night. I didn't think you played awesome last night, but you got the job done, and you, this series is over. Just please, please end the end it Thursday. I said a sweep was a lot to ask for, but at this point, I just want it. Like, as much as I said the Celtics were horrible, this Bruins seems so fun to watch. I just want the series to be over. I really enjoy the first two. Something about this series just has been eh. You know, I don't know if it's just the competition's bad. I think at this point, who would you rather face, the Sharks or the Blues? I might rather face the Sharks because although when you're facing the Sharks, you know, now all of a sudden the odds for the Cup, like, you probably have a 55% chance to win over the Sharks, or 53%. Like, it's close. Against the Blues, here's the thing. Against the Sharks, you're going to get a... The Sharks are like a fun-to-watch team. It's going to be much more competitive, six, seven-game series, and you're really going to have to earn it. And I think the Bruins really can do that. But against the Blues, the Blues, this team is in last place in January. Against the Blues, all you're going to... You're going to get like a five, six-game series, and all you're going to hear is Bobby or Bobby or... I think it's overrated that play because it, it really was it, it was a great play. I love Bobby Orr. It's a great play. Probably the best Bruin ever. But you know, you were gonna beat that blues team anyway. You were up I think you were up 3-0 in the series at that point. 
It was a great goal, but it was still... The goal itself is a little overrated, but you're up 3-0 against the Blues at that point. They're basically an expansion team. That, that play was pretty overrated. I'm sorry. That was one of the most overrated plays in Boston sports history, and I don't want to hear about it. I don't, don't... You're not going to hear about it, I don't think, here. I don't. I won't bring up Bobby Orr. I'll try not to, at least. And you know, I'll bring it up if someone's... No, don't... Against the Blues, you're going to get a less competitive series, and all you're going to hear, Bobby Orr, Bobby Orr. Oh, I don't even... I don't... Don't start. Please don't start with the Bobby Orr talk. And if, if the Bruins and Blues end up facing off and I hear someone talk about Bobby Orr, whew, I might find him and slap him in the face. Please don't talk about Bobby Orr. Please. If the, the Bruins and Blues, no Bobby Orr talk. But seriously, just get uh, done with this hurricane series. But seriously, I'd rather face if I just want a cup. If I just want a cup and run away, like the Blues will still be a challenge because they've been a red hot team. But the Sharks will be a the Sharks will make for a much uh, even more competitive, more fun to watch series. And I won't have to hear about Bobby Orr. So the Blues will just mean you know you got a better chance to win, but it'll be a little less competitive. You'll hear about Bobby Orr. I still think the Blues could give you a little bit of a battle, but. Not even as close as the Sharks. Sharks could really, they're just a fun, well-respected team. Uh, you got a lot of those guys like Eric Carlson, Brett Burns. You're going to see the Joe Thornton back in Boston. He hated it here. God, he did. But that would be a much more fun to watch series, but less chance you win the Cup. So, I, you know, I don't know. But I think you can beat the Sharks. I think you can beat anyone. It's just better chance you beat the Blues. But, yeah, it's a little rundown on the Bruins-Hurricanes game last night. Rask stays hot. Uh, but no, tonight, Sharks, Blues, uh, that one's in St. Louis. The series is tied 1 1, so it's a huge game three. I don't know who to root for because uh, you know, the Blues give you a better chance to win, but I don't want to hear about Bobby Warren. Uh, the Sharks would be such a fun series. So yeah, I guess I'm kind of rooting for the Sharks there. Also, I, I don't know. I think I like the Sharks a little more than the Blues. Sharks is just a well-respected team. But anyway, who cares? Now I'm going to get to my reaction to the draft lottery. I really liked talking about it yesterday. I really enjoyed that. So, uh, we're going to talk about it, my reaction again, so uh, let's get into that. All right, so what a wild, fun-to-watch, mixed emotions for me, NBA draft lottery. Now, I'm going to get to it all. My reaction is mixed emotions. There's some things I didn't like, some things I like, some things were just hard. I There are going to be things that I didn't like and did like because part there were some things where like I liked it, but I hated it at the same time. It, it's weird. It's really weird, but I'm going to explain it. So the Pelicans landed that first overall pick. It was wild. So obviously you had the new lottery format, and I love it. I love it because it's going to help prevent tanking. Rudy Gobert said it best. Tanking is now – it's not over. He said it was over. I didn't like that word over because it's not. Teams are obviously still going to, you know, like you get another team like the Knicks. Yes, they're going to tank for the better lottery odds. You're still going to see tanking, but this is going to help prevent it a little. Like you don't really know. Um, so Boston still got that 14th pick. Miami, Charlotte, not a lot of change at first. And I didn't, I suspected, yeah, this was going to be, you know, a little different for an NBA lottery, draft lottery, but I didn't expect uh, this it to be this wild, you know. And then all of a sudden, Lakers jump into the top four. I was like, no. No. No, you're kidding, right? So, and that's bad for a Celtics fan. Now, all of a sudden, this might give the Lakers the better trade package. It really might. It, the fourth pick, like, that... I know the Pelicans are probably sitting there like, yeah, but you know, top three is much more value. But it, it, it's close. 
And then Atlanta from Dallas ends up jumping to 10, jumping down for, to 10. Uh, Washington, 9. I think they were, yeah, they the ninth pick anyway. Atlanta to 8. I think they, they jumped down a few spots as well. Chicago at 7. They the fourth best odds. Phoenix at 6. Cleveland at 5. They had top odds. And then that put the Lakers, Knicks, Pel- uh, Grizzlies, and Pelicans in the top four. And I said, all right. The Knicks are getting the first overall pick. Now, do I think the NBA draft lottery is rigged a little? Yes, I do. And it's hard because the NBA has to have a balance here. Now, what I'm about, I'm about to rant in a way, and I'm about to just spit out my feelings and emotions, and some of it's going to be so kind of two-faced. I'm just warning you. But I thought the Knicks would get the first overall pick. I thought, yes, this is, there's, they have to. It's probably the NBA's most valuable franchise, maybe besides the Lakers, but Zion to New York makes all the sense in the world, or at least the Lakers' second as your second option. You, you can't give it to New Orleans or Memphis. You can't. You have to give it to one of those two biggest franchises. And now the NBA can't rig it every single time. The NBA is showing bias every single time to the big market team then we're going to know it's rigged. They're going to get exposed for it, and they're going to be angry fans, and it's just not going to work. The NBA is a business. They have to rig it sometimes. This was one. And I know, I know, I know, they can't rig it every time. And this, and giving the Cleveland, Phoenix, the Cavs, the Suns, and the Knicks, none of them a top two or first pick, shows they want to stop tanking. More than they wanted Zion to go to that big market team. Mostly with New York, that's the case. But you still, you could tell there was rigging there in a way. And here's what the NBA decided. They sat there and said, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give New Orleans the first overall pick because we feel bad Anthony Davis has gone. Oh, I hated that. That made me cringe. Oh, that's like compensation for Anthony Davis leaving. Who cares? It's their fault. In a way. I mean, yes, a little bit of it is because Anthony Davis, what they couldn't really surround him with talent. Now, that, you know, Drew Holiday and Julius Randle put up some good numbers, but was that really enough? I Listen, I don't know. So, I, you know, that one, that one hurts to say, but their folly compensation, they gave New York that third pick because they said, we want to prevent taking, but New York needs one of those top three prospects. Now, at that point, I think the NBA was torn. They were like, we want to give the Knicks the first overall pick, but we want to prove to people that it's not rigged. So what's the medium? What's the balance in the middle? Give them a top three prospect. Give them probably R.J. Barrett at this point. So you don't you want to show that tanking's over, but you really want to give them Zion. So you're like, you know, we can't, get, we can't, you know. But again, would people think the lottery's rigged if the New York got the first pick? I, th- I think, but again, they have the top odds in the lottery, so it's tough. They gave that Lakers pick, the, the Lakers the fourth pick, I think, because that's their most valuable franchise. Them and then the Knicks, I think. The, the Lakers just because all the rings and they're Los Angeles. Like New York's close second, but they just suck. Uh, New York, I, Memphis getting the second pick really bothered me because I think everyone's like, New Orleans, Memphis. Uh, I mean, New Orleans, New York, they're talking about all this. But then Memphis is at number two. Memphis will probably get John Morant, which is crazy. Memphis is in a really good spot, actually, an underrated spot. Not great. You're in a small market still, but that market could open up a little with a guy like John Morant. 
And all of a sudden now, you trade Mike Conley. If they um, they make a good trade for Mike Conley, get good compensation, and re-sign Jonas Valanciunas, and Jaron Jackson Jr. comes back healthy again. Realistic things. They can get a good offer, uh, good compensation for Mike Conley. That's a good. That's the high chance it happens. Same with Jonas Valanciunas. Good chance Jaron Jackson Jr. returns healthy. Imagine good compensation, young talent for Mike Conley. John Morant, Jonas Valanciunas, and Jaron Jackson Jr. That's a really good start. Now we just got to get those wing guys. Uh, you have the great point guard. You have a good center for the future and power forward, if you will. I'd say Jaron Jackson Jr. is a power forward. Really like Jaron Jackson Jr. You just need to find those wing guys now. That team's going to need some shooting. Uh, John Morant is an eh shooter. I mean, he's not bad, but he's more of a drive to the hoop, kick it out, like good passer, more like drive to the hoop. And that team has no shooters in general anyway. And I didn't know I'm going to get more into my mock drafts and stuff, but I just had had a a big reaction from this. And I don't even want to hear the Celtics fans because I haven't really heard much, but Celtics fans whining that they only got the 14th pick. I only I didn't hear many, but I just heard a few. Please don't whine. It, it is what it is. Like, what did you expect? That was like a 95% chance that happened. Please. And the NBA gave you the first overall pick and you traded it just a few years ago. But I, I don't know. That's just something. I didn't really stress on that right then and there just because no one really complained about it. I just heard a few. I was just like, shut up, please. Just stop talking to me. But, yeah, Phoenix with the sixth pick, Chicago and Cleveland. That's interesting um, to me. Now... I think Phoenix and Chicago, Chicago, if Chicago, it depends what Chicago invested in right now. Are they invested getting in a Cam Reddish, Jarrett Culver, which would, yeah, Culver can technically play small forward, or DeAndre Hunter, are they interested in that wing? I think, is Chicago interested in getting that wing? Or do they not believe in Otto Porter, or do they want the point guard? They have to choose, do we want a wing, or do we want a point guard? If they choose the point guard, they might have to try to make a trade with Cleveland or Phoenix. Because I believe Darius Garland could be taken by uh, Phoenix. Now, does Darius Garland get taken by the Lakers? I don't think so. I'm not, I don't think Darius Garland will go number four to the Lakers. There's a chance, but I just don't think he will. You have to just hope he doesn't go number four. Try to trade with Cleveland or Phoenix if you really invest in Darius Garland. Because I think Phoenix is going to want him. I do. So that's just a little uh, side note. Maybe they're all right with Kobe White, but if they're not, you gotta you gotta do something. They're just throwing that out. Uh, not nothing big there. But New Orleans getting the first overall pick now. What does this mean now? Because this could really screw over the whole NBA. Anyone that was invested in Anthony Davis, because David Griffin, the new GM there, wants to stay patient and try to uh, you know lure Anthony Davis back into New Orleans. Now, they legitimately could, because you already have guys like Drew Holiday, try to sign back Julius Randle, but at this point, can Zion bring Anthony Davis back? I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. Uh, if Anthony Davis leaves, I'd re-sign Julius Randle, but if Anthony Davis decides to say you take Zion, do you need Julius Randle at this point? It's tough to let a guy like that go, especially when you have the salary cap space, but they're like Memphis. They need the wingers at this point. If they can get Zion, now now they need you need wingers. Um, they just don't have any wingers. They don't have much shooting on that team. So I, I just want to see that from them. But New Orleans with that number one overall pick, all of a sudden not in a bad spot. 
again, they get good compensation for Anthony Davis and draft Zion, or they get to keep Anthony Davis and draft Zion, it's not bad. It's not a bad spot at all. And I know Julius Randle, but I'm sorry, Julius Randle's great, but you're taking Zion there. If it means Julius Randle's gone, well, bye, Julius. I'm sorry. You're great. You're really underrated, but that's Zion we're talking about. That could legitimately be the best front court in the NBA, Zion and Anthony Davis. God, don't tell me that doesn't scare you. Oh, but yeah, I mean, we're going to get more into the draft itself, but I just had, I just had mixed emotions. Now for the Celtics, this could screw us over if we want Anthony Davis, but I'm all right with it because I think Kyrie's gone. And if Kyrie's gone, we're not trading for Anthony Davis. If we trade for Anthony Davis, we give up Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kyrie is gone to New York, LA, wherever. I'm gonna pee. My, I'm gonna throw up because that's that's basically asking for Anthony Davis. You know, come here for a year, get you into the playoffs as like a lower seed, and then leave because he's not gonna want to stay. There's gonna be really nothing here. So please don't do that. I doubt they will, but I, I don't know. Um, I just think the NBA draft lottery is still a little rigged. And I'm just too faithful. Overall, I like it, though, because it's it's helping prevent tanking for sure. Uh, I really do think it's really, really legitimately actually helping tanking start to stop because teams are realizing anyone really has a shot in this new draft lottery format. And I've heard people come up with these ideas like play-in tournaments for these lottery teams. I think this lottery might work out just fine. You don't know what's going to happen. You really don't. It seems like that 6% chance was better than the 14 last night. It really did. Memphis and New Orleans both had, I think, 6% chances and prevailed over both, all those 14. I'm not saying it's going to happen every time, but, again, it, it's it's making teams want to fight a little harder for wins, and that's the direction the NBA doesn't want tanking. That's what we're trying to avoid here. I don't blame teams for you know trying to tank. You know, it makes sense, but we're trying to avoid that here. And I, it makes sense, and I think this format's definitely going to help it. But I don't think uh, – Rudy Gobert basically think, uh, from what I remember, he said tanking is over. It's not over. Let me just see. You're help preventing it, for sure. It, you're preventing some tanking, but you, you didn't stop it right there. Um, yeah, he said, we just witnessed the end of the tanking, and we should be happy about it. Yeah, we should be happy about it, but you didn't witness the ending. You just witnessed maybe the start of the end or the, you know, prevention of tanking. It's great, but it's not over. So, yeah, that's just my little thought on the NBA lottery. I'll dig deeper into the NBA draft class. I love this NBA draft class. I'm glad the Boston Celtics have three firsts and a second. I know we're not uh, – we don't want to keep all those first-round picks from what I heard. Um, But I'm still excited um, about – all the draft picks because I think if we can just nail one, you know, you just two of them. Like this, I love this draft class. I'm sorry, I love young talent. But anyway, moving on to the uh, Boston Red Sox past few games, starting now. All right, so I believe the last time we t- uh, talked about the Red Sox it was after their five to nine win on Saturday uh, evening, if you will, afternoon uh, against the Mariners. Then on Sunday, on Mother's Day, they won eleven to two. Over the Mariners, and then uh, Monday they got a day off. So then yesterday they lose five to four against the Rockies. There's a lot of good to take about uh, out of yesterday's game, but are the Red Sox now out of their hole? And I know they just are coming off a loss, but they've been playing well. Are they out of the hole yet? Oh, sorry. I say no. 
because here's my my thing. If they turned it around, yes, I think they're turning it around, but they're not out of the hole. They're not out of the woods yet. You had a bad April, and you've had a good May. What does that lead to? 500 baseball. What What are you playing right now? 524. So that's my point. Like, a, 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 a bad April, if you have a really good May, all that does is even it out to 500 baseball. And I'm sorry, in the AL East, 500 baseball is not going to win you the division. And if you're not winning the division, uh, wild cards are tough to get. So, yeah, you're not, you're not, I mean, eight and two, you're turning it around, but you're not out of the hole yet. You're not out of the hole till you win the division. Let's just say that. The wild card to me is just, ugh. The wild card is just, no, it's no good for me. No good. The wild card's no good. You make the wild card game all of a sudden, you have one game. All of a sudden, you, all of a sudden you lay an egg that game, which, you know, who knows? Maybe the, the bullpen does what they do last night. Chris Sale goes out, strikes out 17, and the bullpen comes in to spoil the whole thing. Uh, who knows? Maybe you just lay an egg that night. The wild card's no good because then if you win that game, you know, you can just have a bad night, lose the game. If you win that game, you're facing the toughest team in the AL. So it's like, oh, that, that's stupid. I mean, what's, the wild card's no good. You win the division. This Red Sox team is good enough to do so. And listen, there's a lot of good to take out of last night's game, but it just annoyed me that you lost last night. Chris Sale was mesmerizing. He obviously had that, you know, seventh inning wasn't great. Let up the home run to Nolan Arenado. But how can you complain about what Chris Sale just did last night? And I said, did I not say, go back if you didn't listen. I said, you can start worrying a little bit about Chris Sale, but don't give up on him. It's early in the year. He's had the shoulder problems. He'll bounce back. Now, I didn't think he'd bounce back on the flick of a switch. I didn't think overnight he'd just bounce back and he'd already be throwing 17 strikeouts in only seven innings. He had, could have had a total of 21 strikeouts. He had 17. No pitchers ever got 17 strikeouts in only seven innings. New career high is one of Chris Sale's best starts of all time. Not sure best, but it was might have been. I don't know. And then Brandon Workman comes in, trots onto the mound in the eighth inning. What could go wrong? Let's up uh, two earned runs in one one inning. He up that shot, uh, that home run. There's so many home runs into the uh, uh, what, what do you call it? Um, Green Monster. This one wasn't. The Charlie Blackman home run wasn't. So many home runs into the home runs. You had the Chavis home run in the second inning. It was a bomb. Absolute bomb. I thought it went foul, but it was a bomb. And you had the Devers bomb. The only thing I didn't like, though, about you're hitting Ben Tendy and Bet. No walks, 0 for 11 at the plate. They were ice cold. Like, the beginning of your lineup was ice cold. They were like the one-two punch for the pitcher. Like, that's bad. You need Ben Tendy and Betts to, you know, hit well. And you really re- relied last night on uh, Devers was, was on fire of late. Chavis wasn't horrible. Um, Steve Pierce, three and uh, zero for three. Mitch Moreland was a pinch hitter. So last night, like, how did you lose that game? You struck out. You struck them out twenty four times. You didn't even hit horribly, either. Uh, how did you lose last night? The 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 bull, don't get me wrong, Matt Barnes was good. Two innings let up, no base runners, five strikeouts. Matt Barnes was good, but Brandon Workman and Ryan Brazier have to spoil spoil the whole thing. They're like the, oh, they're like the rotten eggs. That bullpen, they're going to be the rotten eggs. I'm going to call them the rotten eggs. If I see one more thing like that, like, they're going to be the rotten eggs this year. You're going to have a 17 strikeout inning, like applause as the crowd's really into it. Oh, we're going to win. I thought after that Moreland hit, we tied it up where we're going to win. This is just a Red Sox team. But what do you know? 
the bullpen, they're going to be the spoiled eggs this year. And they're just going to oh, they're gonna be the rotten eggs. And they're going to spoil the whole game. Uh, a great game like that, you you hit two home runs. You know, the crowd was really into it. You were, you know, you were hitting pretty well uh, at the right times. Chris Sale had an historic game. And when, you know, Brandon Workman and Ryan Brazier come in, oh, and just sink up the whole place to the point where they spoiled the game and somehow the Rockies won. Somehow the Rockies won. Now, the Rockies played a good game, and I know it's one game in baseball, but that one would have been great to have. Just to win that game as well, like, you really played better than the Rockies last night. You did, and you still lost. And I know it's going to happen in baseball. It's one game, uh, so I'm not stressing over too much, but, oh, the rotten eggs. The rotten eggs. Uh, the bullpen is horrible. The rotten eggs came in and uh, did – well, you're, you're going to see that movie a few times this year. This bullpen is overachieved so far, and they're still one of the worst in the league. God. They, they're horrible. They're absolutely they're horrendous. They are absolutely horrendous. I'm sorry. They're bad. I'm sorry you offend those Red Sox fans out there that have thought, you know, this bullpen hasn't been horrible. No, they've overachieved, and they're still one of the worst in the league. Let, you know what? Let's spend a little dough on the bullpen. If you haven't noticed lately, that kind of matters in the MLB. And you just exhibit A was last night. Uh, well, we'll let Craig Kimbrough walk because we don't need a bullpen. We just proved last year. You got lucky last year. You got lucky. Last year, oh, that was just the, you know, every team just, I don't know what it was. Last year, there wasn't a single thing that could get in your way. You frolicked through the uh, flowers, if you will. You frolicked in the flowers last year, and there wasn't a bee in sight. There was nothing to ruin the day. And this year, there's been things. And last year, you got lucky. It's very rare you win with the bullpen. You're not going to win with the bullpen this bad. I'm sorry. The bats are there. Sorry, pitching's really clicking. But when you have the rotten eggs, as I call them, the bullpen is now the rotten eggs. And I don't mean just because this game, but they're going to continue to do it. And I'm already going to label them the rotten eggs because that's what they're going to do. Some guys have stepped up. Matt Barnes, Marcus Walden. Brandon Workman's in good, but Workman wasn't great yesterday. Neither was Ryan Brazier. They were the two rotten eggs. I'm sorry I say it so many times, but the two rotten eggs came in and spoiled the game yesterday. Great game, too. Ugh. And then now, now you got the Astros the next three games. Uh, the Blue Jays, and you got the Astros again, and then the Indians, who've been bad this year. But you, you don't have the easy schedule coming up. It's not the hardest, but it's not the easiest either. Uh, so I want to win tonight, and I want to win that Astros series. I want... Uh, a win tonight and to beat the Astros uh, two to one in your series. That would be great if you can beat the Astros two to one. Like they've been really good lately. So if you can beat them two to one, uh, win tonight in Colorado, uh, not in Colorado, but against Colorado, that would be great. Um, and it would really make my day. Okay, it would really make my day. So yeah, that's all I've got for you guys today. Uh, sorry I couldn't get to the Jamie Collins news. I kind of started the episode when I was talking about the draft lottery when I just started the middle of the episode. I was like, oh, the Jamie Collins. So hopefully I'll get to that um tomorrow. Sorry, I, I should have done it today. Just quickly went over it. It, it won't take too long, but I should have gone over it. But I'll just save that for tomorrow's episode. Um, again, sorry, should have gone over it today. But I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Again, calling on the Anchor mobile app. Just type in after the buzzer sports talk. Send in a voice message. It's easy, fun to do, cool tool. Um, you guys can also send in suggestions there and that I don't have to put it on the episode if you don't want. But it's just a really cool tool. Uh, hopefully Billy calls back. Maybe George, if Charles is even still around nowadays. But, you know, I, I, I'd appreciate a call. 
from one of you guys. Also, go follow my Instagram after the buzzer sports talk. No spaces, all lowercase. Keep you updated over there. I'd appreciate a follow. So, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode, and I'll see you next time.